HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by the Wisconsin Cheese Cupid Pairing app, available on Android and Apple devices. This is Michael Harlan Turkel, host of The Food Scene. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. to Love Bites, where dining and dating collide, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, January 11th, 2016. I'm one of your hosts, Jacqueline Raposo. I write about people who make food. You can find my work and me at wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34, straight and single. And I am your other host, Ben Rosenblatt. I am an actor, writer, musician, occasionally a bartender and server. You can check me out at benrosenblattactor.com. I am 33, straight, and also single. Today's show is going to be quite interesting for many reasons. First off, if my voice sounds a little funny, it's because I'm not in the studio. I'm calling in from our nation's capital, where I'm staying with a very dear friend of Ben's and mine for a little bit. I miss you so much, Jacqueline. I miss your warm, loving energy staring across from me in the room here. I miss you, too. I feel so sad and disconnected, but at least, you know, I'm... I'm unshowered, and I'm in sweatpants, and I'm drinking coffee. That so does not sound not more so appealing to me. That end. sounds great for you. Um, I'm occupy. I'm keeping the captain's chair warm for you, um, if that you makes you feel... You feel very powerful right now. I feel like a god. Oh, good. But I hope I'm, you feel like a god, because this is a very interesting show. The show is all about you today, oh, Ben. Oh, dear Lord. Ben is going to spend the majority of the show exploring our Why We Didn't Work experiment. He's asked a few of his exes a series of questions about their past relationship that he, in turn, has answered. Therapist Vienna Farron of Marriage of Mindful Marriage and Family Therapy in New York City is there to discuss the patterns in those relationships he might not be aware of and how he might alter some of them in the future. But before we get to that, uh, Jacqueline, what happened with the asshole who we talked about from OKCupid okay last week who was sending you abusive messages? Yeah, so so if you guys listened to the show last week, at the end of the show, we had a pretty great conversation about the violence some women receive online. 
that came up after a guy in OkCupid ended the messaging sequence to me with, I hope this woman gets brutally raped and treated like the bitch that she is. God which damn shocked, it. Which, I know, it's still, it's still on my end, it's not that shocking that that happened. It's, it's um, baffling to me. Yeah, so, so it was a great conversation last week. So before that show, I had already reported that message for harassment on OkCupid, which you can do directly on the message itself. But I heard nothing. So after last week's show, I reported it as, again as offensive. And again, I heard nothing. But a few days later, I saw that his profile had been deactivated. I had no idea if he deleted it or disabled it or if he'd been kicked off. And I'd heard nothing from OkCupid. So the past couple days, I sort of had the sequence back and forth of finding out how to email them on the site. And then once I did, not really getting an answer other than eventually them saying, Polyrock has been banned from the site. That was the guy's username, Polyrock. How so I knew it, that he had been banned, but I didn't get anything more specific from from my interchange with how, them. How does that make you feel about OkCupid, okay about the world in general, about, like, is there a way in your mind that OkCupid okay could have handled it better, do you think? The only thing that, it, it, as far as how I feel about online dating, you always take a risk when you meet people online. When you post something on the Internet, there's always a risk that you're going to find, that you're going to get something bad back. That's just... Being the, you know, that's just the internet, that's us dating on the internet. So I don't blame OkCupid for that by any means. And what I, so I did, I did eventually ask their press department for a statement about this, and I got a statement from Alice Hunsberger, who is the director of customer support, that I'm just going to read the whole thing. It's pretty short. We don't give any specifics to someone who was banned, as we don't want them to retaliate against the person who reported them. Too many details would let them know who reported them to us. When someone who is banned tries to log in, they'll see a message letting them know that they violated our terms of service. If they email us and ask for a reason, the most we'd say is something general, like we received a report about your account and found your messages to be harassing or sexually aggressive, and they violated our terms of service. So basically, they, you know, they cover, they cover their own asses, which is fair. The person does get removed. They had even told me that a lot of times they have moderators and algorithms that already can find questionable profiles before most people even report them. So it's not a safety issue to me. It's more just that I would have hoped there was a protocol in line for when you report someone that you find out what happens. Because if I hadn't sort of gone through the hoops of finding out, oh, I have to go to the About page, then the Support page, and then I have to click on, you know, I have to re report it as a complaint. I can't report it as, I can't report the guy directly to somebody other than on his profile. I have to sort of make a complaint, and then I have to have a back and forth. I had to jump through hoops to find out, and I just think that maybe if you're going to be an online community, especially one where, you know, there's millions of people meeting, maybe there should be a protocol in place that if you report somebody, at least you know that your report was recognized, that it's being looked into, and then you have somebody you can go to directly to say, did something happen, or is this person still out there? That's all I would say that I would think could maybe be stronger. This is to, like, help make you feel safer and, like, that your voice is being heard. Well, just, yeah, just that something happens, because if I hadn't gone through the hoops, I have no assurance that anything even happened, that that report went anywhere. So that's the only thing I'd say. Just a, a communication could be a little bit better on that side, but who knows. But I don't feel unsafe on the site, and I don't, you know, I don't rag on OkCupid for it. I still think it's still my favorite dating site. So, sure. Well, it's nice so to know that he's, that. that he's been eliminated. And, uh, yeah, he was an asshole. There's, you know, oh whatever. Oh, my God. Beyond. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's fair. So that, so that's what's that. But that, that was that. But I'm more excited to get to the meat of our show today, Benjamin. 
So for the rest of the show, I'm just going to hang on the line, but just sort of listen to you. So, Ben, why don't you uh, introduce Vienna more fully? And uh, Godspeed. Oh, God, I'm going to need that. Thank you. Um, I am both very thrilled and slightly terrified to welcome to the show Vienna Farron, who is the founder uh, of Mindful Marriage and Family Therapy here in New York City, where she's also a therapist. She leads retreats for both singles and couples is the relationship expert for the website Motherly. She founded Mind Sweat, a combination of intensive physical activity followed directly by therapy. And if that's not enough, she also leads workshops and conferences all over the country. You can find her on Instagram and Twitter as MindfulMFT and on Facebook as MindfulnessMFT and also on the web at NewYorkCouplesCounseling.com. Welcome to the show, Vienna. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So as we discussed previously on the show, Jacqueline and I, we are engaged in this experiment um, about what went wrong in our previous relationships. And there were five questions that we sent to each of the exes that we found most significant enough to answer these questions. Um, I'll refer to mine as relationship number one and relationship mm -hmm. number two chronologically so that we can respect their privacy. And the questions I asked were, what worked about us? What didn't work about us? Why did we break up? Do you have any regrets? And what do you think of when you think of me now? And Vienna, I shared these answers with you as uh, well as my answers to the questions. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious just off the bat if there's anything up front right away that kind of jumped out at you about these one or both of these relationships that like sticks out of you is like, this is where things took a turn for the worse or went wrong. Yeah, I mean, first, I have to say, this is such a cool experiment, right? W once you sent those questions over, I was like, ah, I should do this, you know? Like, like everybody should have to do this everyone, and really think about those relationships. Everyone wants to, I think. I'm uh -huh. just lucky to have a radio show where I get an excuse. Right, to exactly, like, hey, right. Uh, you don't I'm, have to be that person. Exactly, exactly. It's <laughs> like, for my radio show. Right, exactly. Radio show. Um, yeah, I mean, I think part of it is that, like, you get to go back and explore and be really thoughtful. And in that process, I imagine, I'm out outside of what you and I have spoken about, just the process of going back there. I'm sure you learned something new about yourself, um, just even considering those questions. But there were a lot of things that, that stood out. It, I think um, there's a huge discrepancy between the, the two relationships. I know you said relationship number one, relationship number two, and maybe part of it is about your age and how you had grown uh, personally also but the first relationship really it, it, it was fun I mean there were a lot of nice things that you both could say about each other but it sort of kind of it, it, it sort of ended there you know it wasn't like I didn't I didn't gather that either one of you really felt like you were able to have a tremendous amount of growth with each other in that space um, and in the second relationship it really felt like it was a super transformative one for both of you obviously they both ended but there was still a tremendous amount of transformation in that space um i found that both of you had a greater fondness for each other in the second relationship yeah um you would agree I yeah would agree. yeah i yeah. mean and, and again the part of that too it, i would imagine uh, the previous relationship being a bit younger and maybe less emotionally wise in that space but and ended a little like a darker bit more, a uh -huh. bit more like uh messier i think sure. and also just having space uh, more space i mean this was like a decade ago right. now too right so 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I do think, however, one of the things that stood out is you've been and, and Ben and I to the to the listeners have also spoken quite a bit about the relationships and, and understanding further dynamics. And it, it has always felt like from what he has shared with me that um, if they always felt like safe and secure relationships, relationships where both of them could openly express what they needed from each other, how they were feeling um, and all of that sounds beautiful. I mean, that's exactly what we want. But as I was li- reading some of the answers, um, it still seemed like there was still space that was filled with insecurity and doubts around sharing certain things that um, were painful, um, maybe more for the women than than you, Ben. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think both. I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the most deepest, like, parts and like the most deepest things that are struggles within the relationship are always difficult for me to share because they feel personal and potentially really hurtful sometimes. And I don't want to be hurtful. Right, right, right. And so we're preserving how other people feel. Right. And but in that space, also not always honoring ourselves. We don't want to be jerks to people and especially somebody that you care for deeply. Right. Like these are at the time were women that I imagine you loved or had love for. Um, I think both relationships were pretty long, right? For, like uh, one, the first run was four years yeah. all told, and the uh-huh. second one was about a year. Okay, yeah. I mean, so significant amounts of of your life, right? Yeah. Um, and again, I, I sort of step away from how long relationships um, go and and tend to focus more on how transformative they are. But that that aside, um, yeah, like when we're trying to preserve the feelings of others, which we can be thoughtful in our words and how we how we communicate how we're feeling. But when we are too protective of it, we wind up stepping away from what's going on with us. Right. Yeah. So in that space, we're not actually honoring how we're feeling or we're not actually being as honest. And I know that's a word that you used with me before. Like it is so important for you to be super honest and sometimes to a fault. Um, But yet there is still certain areas where that honesty, like the fear of hurting somebody else is getting in the way of you really sharing everything that's going on for you. And so I, you, you mentioned, I said in, it was clear to you in both the answers to, in both relationships that yeah. it felt to me as though these relationships were safe spaces where we could talk about anything. Mm-hmm. And yet, of course, to some degree, they weren't. Um, and I'm curious as to like, how, why is it that I feel like I'm providing this space, but I'm actually not? What, what is in that dynamic of like, here I am, I think I'm creating this safe space, What is in my way from actually creating that space? Yeah, I mean, somewhere, and maybe I'll put the question back on you in some way here, that like, what was the narrative around what it means to create a safe space and environment within a relationship? Like, you're a very very vulnerable and open guy who has a lot of great insight about himself. And so I'm sure that you've thought about certain parts of this. But like, what do you subscribe to? Like, what creates safety and security within a relationship? Because that's what you're setting for yourself and that person. Yeah, I think expressing, for me, it's mm-hmm. expressing empathy and expressing um, the idea that whatever is said isn't going to scare me away mm-hmm. um, or will not crush me to a degree that is irreparable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, 
and being vocal about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think I am typically vocal about anything that's I, I would rather have you talk to me. I think in one of the relationships, relationship two, there was mm-hmm. a time where, um, like, I don't know, I, I find my defenses in some ways coming up to a lot of the things mm-hmm. that you say because mm-hmm. I either don't think they're true or I'm not ready to face them yet. Sure. Um, but... I mean, I remember a specific moment in that relationship where, um, I mean, here's the anecdote is we were walking down the street. I was spending time with um, my girlfriend and her sister, Mm -hmm. and I made some sort of joke uh, toward the sister about how she must like me better than all of her other sister's previous Mm -hmm. boyfriends. And to me, it was a total like offhanded joke to kind of like, I don't know, be charming in some way. Um, and I thought it was fine and we all kind of had a laugh about it, but later the girlfriend expressed to me that she felt like I put her sister in an uncomfortable position. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, we talked about it and I really felt like I listened and heard her and Mm -hmm. understood what she was saying. I expressed what I felt about the situation and we moved forward. Mm -hmm. And like, it was a real moment for me, unlike the previous relationship where I felt like that girlfriend used to kind of be very passive aggressive Mm -hmm. about like confronting me on certain things. Mm -hmm. Like she, girlfriend number two, really expressed honestly what was up. Mm -hmm. I took it in, really heard it, listened and you know, apologize to the degree, the degree that I felt necessary mm-hmm. and we moved forward. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that was a sign that it was a safe place, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think too, and, and just going off of that example, it, you, you too did that very, very well, right? Like that was a successful, like, let me bring this up. Let me share how I feel. My partner's going to hear me. He's going to be able to kind of see his role in it. He'll offer some type of empathy in return, and then we'll be able to move forward. Um, And this isn't going to be something that gets in the way. And it's not to... I'm sort of going to sound like I'm ranking things that hurt us and um, what's an issue and what's not. But there is... I think that there are different levels of that. Like we can say, hey, this bothered me and do it in the moment, which is a beautiful thing. That's actually... um, low negativity threshold is something that I talk about with couples all the time. And we tend to think that having a high negativity threshold, it's sort of this myth that our culture has subscribed to that if we have a high negativity threshold. If we, we, we let things kind of slide off our shoulders. Um, we don't nitpick. We don't, you know, choose your battles, right? You've heard that, that message before. And, um, that actually does us no good in relationships. The low negativity threshold is that whenever we're feeling something, we're able to share it with our partner, right? And we honor that space, which is exactly what you're describing that you and relationship number two were able to do. But I also wonder if you were able to go even further with it. Like, it's not to say that what she was, what she expressed to you in that, in that, um, in that moment, wasn't difficult. It may have been, but there were other things in her responses that she wasn't able to share with you. And so that's why I'm saying, you know, am I ranking (laughs) like how we feel about certain things? But there there were things in, in her responses where she was saying, you know, I didn't really feel entirely admired by you or respected by you when it came to acting. Um, and is this okay that I'm sharing? Okay. Um, and, 
and that also your kind of opinion of or some narrative that you had around um, gender differences. And um, she shared that she wasn't able to articulate those things back then, um, which I think in your response was actually shocking to you because I think you were like, well, wait, if I had known these things, I feel like I could have tended to these, you know, emotional needs that you were having. You were feeling hurt. You weren't feeling admired entirely by me, even though you admired her in so many ways. Um, but she wasn't able to share that with you, whether that was because she couldn't step into that, that part of her vulnerability or whether she just had blinders on and didn't really understand that that um, is how she was actually feeling back then. It still shows us that even though you thought there was this really safe and secure space for the two of you to really talk about anything you wanted to, you weren't actually talking about the things that were deeply hurting her, right? The things that she says could have potentially axed you for her being your lifelong partner, right? Yeah, damn. Like that, I mean, that feels shitty Mm -hmm, to like... mm -hmm feel as though I let that um, dynamic, that I fostered that dynamic somehow. Um, And it makes me wonder how, like, what I could have done differently. Sure, Um, sure. So anyway, look, let's say that, you know, we could spend a lot of time uh, trying to, like, get to the bottom of, are these Mm -hmm. things actually true or not? Because, like I said, my defenses pop up all the time. (laughs) But let's say, like... You know, after a couple months of therapy, Mm -hmm. these walls get beaten down and Mm -hmm. I, yeah, like I see this pattern now in myself. I'm ready to address it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we should take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll discuss when the walls do come down and we're now aware of these patterns. How do we actually address them and make changes? Um, So we're going to take a break. Uh, But first, I just want to remind you that you can find all of our shows here at heritageradionetwork.org, as well as on iTunes, where you can drop us a review and subscribe to our show so that it automatically downloads to your devices. And if you want to let us know how we're doing, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Love Bites Radio and find more about us and our guests at lovebitesradio.com. We'll be back after a quick break from our sponsors and from some music from Techstar. Listening to this show, you've probably used Tinder, you've probably used OkCupid, and maybe you're bored of these human dating apps. Want to play matchmaker with some more interesting couples? Food couples? Say, drinks and cheese? Well, you can now with the Wisconsin Cheese Cupid app. What beverage complements your cheese? What cheese complements your beverage? Wisconsin Cheese Cupid has the answer. Just choose beverage or cheese in need of a soulmate, and Wisconsin Cheese Cupid will do the rest. Feeling a bit adventurous? Pairing Roulette will create a random yet perfectly delicious pairing for you. So if you're sick of swiping left and right, put aside the dating struggles and make a match that'll satisfy even the loneliest of the lonely. Go to CheeseCupid.com or find Cheese Cupid in the App Store. Happy matchmaking. And we are back and we've still got Vienna Farron with us breaking down my entire self-concept. <laughs> um, so now that... Okay, let's say here I, have, I am now 
like on board with this. I have this pattern of you know projecting that I've created this space for openness and vulnerability and mm-hmm. safety for really discussing anything that is on either of our minds within a relationship. Mm-hmm. And yet, that's not the reality of the space that's been created. Right. Um, what? How do I go about actually making that the reality? How do I uncover what's actually in the way for me and make these changes of behavior? Sure. I mean, one of the things that I talk a lot about is understanding messages that we've received and how they've turned into um, our narratives, right? Like the kind of the inner talk that we have with ourselves, right? That we hear over and over and over again. Um, And so my question back to you really is like, what are the narratives around that role, right? Like you, you're saying, I want to, I am a safe place for you, right? I'm making sure that you feel okay. I'm making sure that you're secure in this relationship. And so for me, as a marriage and family therapist, I always go back to family of origin, which I can hear some of the eye rolls that are going on um, from the listeners. I'm sure it's so tough for people to, um, to accept it, you know, we, we really push that away sometimes, but really the our role within our family systems, those relationships, the dynamics, the messages that we received, whether they're verbal or nonverbal, turn into our narratives and they turn into the way that we feel about ourselves and relationships and how we should show up. Um, and so this is tough because I think, you know, Ben and I have just met and really he should not be entirely vulnerable with me and share this this is work that tends to happen over a longer period of time where where our our relationship is is safe so i appreciate you going there and being vulnerable and trying to keep yourself open to this but when i think about you know how i would respond to that question it's always going to come back to like your role in your family right what how that how that shows up for you, how you felt about that role, and then seeing if you do any of that with your romantic relationships. So when you think about some of the stronger roles that you owned within your family system, what what stands out to you? Well, as we discussed a little mm-hmm. bit on the phone as we were prepping for the episode, um, I talked a little bit about my parents' divorce mm-hmm. and about the role that I feel like I played in that, which was... Um, essentially, I feel like to make myself invisible mm-hmm. and to make sure that I was not another problem that mm-hmm. among the many issues and like heart wrenching, um, you know, issues that mm-hmm. my, my family members were dealing with in their own lives, in their own relationship right. and with in regard to how they felt about themselves. Yeah. I felt like if I just could not add to that that would be the best thing for me to do or like the responsible thing for me to do was to not Mm. make it worse yeah kind of preserving yeah for other people and not making anyone worry about me because i was okay but Mm -hmm. even though maybe i probably wasn't well sure i mean but you know if I projected that, then that would be better for mm-hmm, them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I you, thought. yeah. So you took on the role as sort of becoming invisible, not adding to, um, 
a system that maybe appeared to be pretty messy at the time. I imagine a lot of emotion, a lot of hurt going on. Um, and so you kind of withdraw yourself from that space. And I'm not going to add to a system that's possibly collapsing right now. Yeah. Right. Um, and and two, I want to do this so that it's safer for the people that I care around me. Right. So if I see my other family members sort of struggling a little bit, let me do this to help you. Yes. And that too, like if they needed to come talk to me about something mm-hmm. that like if I was a disaster mm-hmm. or a mess or right. had my own issues that like I wasn't a safe place. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess this does kind of ring right into what we're talking about is that like to me being a safe place is being, a you know, on top of my own shit. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Except back then you really weren't on top of your own shit. Totally. You know, back then you were not you were avoiding your stuff. You know, you Completely. were putting that off. You were internalizing it. You were you didn't have a safe place to actually share any of it. Um, not because it wasn't safe. Right. But because you had decided, oh, boy, I better not add to this this collapsing system, right? Did anybody tell you, you know, Ben, you can't have feelings and, you know, please don't, please don't. No. You know, please don't break down and cry because your parents are getting divorced. Like, was that ever a message? Right. No. So you, you created that somewhere for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about like then how it shows up in your relationships, you go in, you're like, I need to create a safe place. And I hear you kind of changing it a little bit where before it was like, okay, I shouldn't have any needs to, I can have needs and I can share them openly with my partner um, and my partner can share them openly with me. Um, but that really wasn't the case when we look back to your family role through the divorce. True. I was minimizing my needs to a great degree. Right. And so do you feel like you minimized your needs at all within the relationships or were you like over the top and really like, okay, well, because I did this before, I'm not doing it now. You know, I honestly kind of feel like it was somewhere in between. Uh Like I, I definitely do this thing Mm -hmm. in my life where I minimize my needs Mm -hmm. in certain relationships, Mm -hmm. typically in ones where I feel, where I fear rejection or sure. where I fear like that I where someone has status over me right um, I tend to not need as try to not need as much from them sure um, but I felt like in especially in relationship number two which is kind of the one we've been talking mm-hmm, more mm-hmm. about that like we were equals right and that I I do feel like she made me feel safe, like I could mm-hmm. need from her. And yet there were things that I wasn't able to express to her yeah. at the same time. So but, it's confusing. But you were still protecting her. Yeah. Right. True. Like there were certain things that she felt that you felt that you knew were true. Like now looking back at it, right. Some of the things that hurt her were thoughts and feelings that you did have. Right. But you didn't share them because you were still protecting her. Yeah. You, right. You didn't want, like you said before, when we're coming back to it, or right, you said like, I don't want to be the jerk that's saying something to somebody that I really deeply care about. So I'm not voicing it, but yet that person's of course going to pick up on it. Right. She didn't feel entirely admired by you. She didn't feel respected by you. And there wasn't a safe space for that to be communicated because you didn't share it. You internalized it, which made her have to. So how do I address this? Right. So, I mean, I think part of it, obviously, going to therapy or having conversations with people um, that challenge you and shed light on your blind spots is incredibly important. Um, 
these fears will will run your life. You know, like if we don't address them, the fears will run the ship. That that's why we wind up, you know, when people say like, oh, we date the same types of people over and over and over again. And it's like, well, yeah, like if your fears are the same fears or if your pain isn't getting wiser, then you're going to keep choosing the same people who are going to reveal you know, your old hurt, you know what I mean? So like, this is you have to look at yourself, you really have to go inside to understand what your constraints are, like, what's keeping me from doing x, right? Like, what's keeping me from being able to say these things to my partner? Like, why do I not want to? And where have I seen that before? There's information there. Like, we don't just do things to do them, right? We do them for a reason. We're protecting ourselves, we're protecting others. um, But generally, we're protecting ourselves somehow, right? Because if you're super honest with her, and then it really hurts her, and then she leaves you because of it, oh, yeah. That's pretty awful. It's awful. It's the worst. Yeah, it's, it's the worst. It's the worst imaginable outcome. Yes. Yes. And I'm sorry, but when it comes to romantic relationships, there is some status there. Somebody can leave at any point, right? So when we say like, oh, well, we felt like equals, that is true. That's beautiful. It's wonderful. But there's still that choice that's there. And there's a fear if I am completely honest in this space, could this person leave me? Yeah. So is then is your advice that... 100 like i am a huge huge believer in honesty and complete honesty it's a very very important quality to me important characteristic of myself in me Mm -hmm. um and yet clearly i'm not capable of it all the time sure but is that is that the route to go to always be 100 percent honest even if it's hurtful Look, I, I think part of it right now is that we can only go as far as what we know, right? So it like what our own self-awareness is, is all that we can really give to other people. That's why when we look back at relationships and why this experiment is so cool, is that like you can see much further, right? At five years later, if you've done some work on yourself, you're going to see certain things that you did in the relationship that you would have done differently. Or you'd say, okay, I would have shared this a little bit differently, or would I, I would have opened up more, or I wouldn't have... Wouldn't have um, kept myself from from setting this boundary with this person. Um, but when it comes to like, how honest do we want to be? I mean, I think we're not, we're not here to like, hurt each other. You know, like, we're not here to say nasty things, um, and cut each other down. But being able to own ourselves is so important. And so when it comes to honesty, like, yeah, we do need to be honest. And it's the way in which we share that information with a person that can either, it just changes the trajectory of it, right? Like where the direction of the conversation is going, right? Like you can give difficult information to somebody, but it's the way that we do it that's going to change the outcome, right? If we're, I mean, do you want me to go through? Like, I mean, if we're using ice, statements, if we're owning ourselves as opposed to kind of pointing the finger at somebody else and saying, well, you make me feel this way, right? Like, if we're just able to say, you know, I hurt when, you know, XYZ happens, um, you know, like that shifts it right away. Like, we don't want people to be defensive in that space. And the second we say you, they're going to be right, those walls come shooting up, they hear some message that says, you've done something wrong, you've let me down, and they're going to shut, they're going to shut down to that. Um, 
the way that we start, uh, I'm sorry, the way that we start conversations is often the way that they end. So if we have a soft startup, uh, John Gottman is a relationship researcher out in Seattle, and he talks about uh, soft startups um, and how powerful they are, that we're like really gentle with each other instead of a harsh, I guess, a harsh startup where we're coming at the person and sort of attacking them. Um, I mean, I could go on and on, but I'm not sure that this is the direction of you know, uh, where you want to go right now. Unfortunately, we are actually running out of time. Okay. These our shows fly by and I'm yeah. loving every second of information that you are parsing to me. Great. Um, but we do unfortunately need to wrap it up. Okay. We could spend eons picking apart my neuroses, which <laughs> clearly there's no shortage of. Um, but we are out of time. Jacqueline, are you still there? I'm still here. Uh, I've, been, I've been hanging on to your every word, both of you. Oh God, well, I miss you even more now that, you know, my uh, whole ego has been shattered into oh. a million pieces. Uh, but before we end the show, I'm just wondering if you have any takeaways from what you just heard of this conversation. Well, I have a billion takeaways. I was pretty much typing notes the entire time, being a writer. That's obviously what I do a lot. Um, but I just want to fluff your ego a little bit more, my darling, because as somebody who's known you for the past 15 years and has known especially your statement of, I don't want to hurt people, and I know your past and how you've seen other loved ones in your life and your life be hurt, I just want to commend you because you've already come in the 15 years. I know you so far, and for me as your friend, you've created a very safe space and safer as the years go on for me to share with you the most personal, the most intimate, the most scary parts of my life. And I really do believe that you have that capacity in you for a future romantic relationship, especially considering how much you know now that you didn't know for these past relationships that you referred to today. So I'm very proud of you, and um, I have nothing but confidence that you're only going to keep creating safer and safer spaces for you and those in your life. That's my takeaway. Thank you for that. Yeah. And the end of your conversation is actually a great transition into our show for next week, because next week uh, we will be joined by therapist Diana Gasparoni, who's the founder of Be Her, a group of female-focused therapists and life coaches in New York City. And she's going to walk me through the correspondence between me and four of my former gentlemen. And our conversation primarily is going to be on communication and how that changes from, you know, guys that I broke up with five, six, seven years ago to two years ago, how the conversation, the narrative changes, and what you choose to tell somebody now that you might not have a few years ago while you were going through the breakup. So that will be our conversation next week. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show, Vienna. I really appreciate you, you for are being amazing. there. I'm blown and away by an your incredible, insight. incredible you. show today. So awesome. thank you both. Yeah, thanks for having me. I wish I, I wish you were here so we could have met. I know. One day it will happen. Down the line, we'll definitely have you back when I will have my butt back in my chair, Benjamin. (laughs) Never. It's mine forever. (laughs) But until then, that was our show for today. Thank you all so much for listening once again. Our engineer was the ever-amazing Liz Smith. Thanks to our sponsor, the Wisconsin Cheese Cupid. Thanks to Vienna Farron for a really fascinating show. Our theme song is You Better You Bet by Robbie Gill. And we are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt. We'll be back at the same time next week right here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. See ya. Network.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. 
You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 non-profit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.